I'm Ryan from the Dad.io podcast, a show dedicated to dorky dads everywhere. Part of the Gonna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other dadalicious geeky shows at gonnageeknetwork.com. Welcome to episode 192 of Better Podcasting. On this show, I share my experiences from almost 13 years of hobby podcasting, and I am an anomaly. In this week's Better Podcasting download, we discuss the three E's of podcasting. And lastly, in this week's Better Podback, we finally give Damien the podback love he deserves. Lauren, let's crank her up. We got us a live one. Welcome to Better Podcasting, a show where we talk about podcast tips, tools, and best practices to help you succeed with your podcast. What makes us different? Well, just like you, we podcast purely out of the love and fun of it. Podcasting is our hobby, and we recognize that it's yours too. We always encourage your questions and feedback, and you can find all of our contact information at betterpodcasting.com. Here's your host for the show, Stephen John Drew and Stargate Pioneer. Hello and welcome to episode number 192 of Better Podcasting. I am SP and while Stephen is away enjoying some much deserved family time and I'm guessing mosquitoes since he's supposed to be camping with me today is Jen from Anomaly Podcast. Hello, Jen, and welcome to Better Podcasting. Hey, SB. Thanks for having me on. I love this show. Oh, thank you very much. I love your show. We've actually talked about it before here on Better Podcasting. We'll get more into it later, but basically you've been a hobby podcasting since the start of podcasting. Uh, almost. <laughs> We're the grandmas of podcasting, I guess. <laughs> oh, grandmas of podcasting. I, wow. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, you're never supposed to ask a woman her pod age, I guess. Or who she voted for or how much she weighs. <laughs> okay. Good Good to know. I'm glad you're here to straighten up us here on the show and uh, steer us away from the uh, third rails of podcasting. <laughs> well, every podcast that we do here on Better Podcasting, we start with a how I save my podcast story. And this is Something that our listeners or maybe us, we actually talked about. Stephen actually had a quite a lengthy How He Saved My Podcast story last week. Uh, by the way, he's doing fine. He is on vacation this week. This was pre-planned. This was uh, not due to any technical dealings on his part. But anyway, we have this story of how people say their podcast stories. And sometimes we actually reach into the internet to find one. And this week we did so. We went to Reddit and we found a post titled help with dual mic USB setup. And the post goes as follows. Hey there. So I'm recording with two USB blue Yeti mics at the same time. So far, it's been working with my current setup, which consists of the following two blue Yetis, USB mics, two USB extension cables, a non-gaming PC, free Audacity software, free voice meter software. Now, voice meter is what I've been using to link both microphones together. And then within Audacity, I change the output to find the voice meter app, which then allows me to record with both mics. This works great when it wants to. There are times I have to either choose either close and reopen voice meter for Audacity to even pick up our voice and sometimes even restart the PC. 
Then when I get to get it to work, I have to run a test record just to make sure the playback isn't choppy. And that's my biggest issue. It's very frustrating to record 30 minutes worth of content only to listen to unfixable and choppy playback. Again, there are many times where it will record both mics without a hitch, but other times both mic inputs will come out annoyingly choppy. I would like to find the best setup for my mics so that I don't run into these issues. All the software I'm using is free, and if there is something more reliable that comes with a charge, I'll go that route. Also, if there is a mixer board for USB mics that will work, I'd like to know if that exists too. Ultimately, I'd like to keep my using my USB mics. Thanks for reading on quote. Now, Jen, we have a long-standing policy on this podcast, basically to avoid USB microphones in multitude, meaning record more than one, and to use the proper like professional style podcasting. You know, we did a episode a couple months ago, Better Podcasting number 166, titled USB Microphones, that we talked about ways to do this. We don't recommend it. Now, I'm curious, what do you say to somebody that says they're using two USB Blue Yetis? That sounds very challenging indeed. <laughs> I think this is an instance where you could probably find hardware for an affordable price on eBay <laughs> to replace those USB mics. I, I know they're very popular, but it sounds like it's more trouble than it's worth. It is. And we'll get into it later, but recording with the condenser microphones and, and Blue Yetis are condenser microphones. You have to have a audio treated room, kind of like what you're sitting in right now or a booth. And that just adds to the expense. So I always scratch my head over people that are using condenser USB microphones because I just I, I don't think they're thinking of the listener. I think they're just thinking of how cool it is or how easy it is for them. I wonder if it's just a lack of knowledge, because when we started out, I had a condenser mic. And I didn't know the difference between dynamic and condenser. And I think it might just be education. It definitely sounds better to have a dynamic mic that your setup can handle because some dynamic mics require too much gain. And there's just no way that your you know, system sometimes can, can push that dynamic mic. So you have to do some shopping to find the right one. But there's definitely some affordable options out there, I think. There are. So just off the top of my head, you could get a Behringer UMC 202 HD and a couple of uh, Behringer XM 8500s with the cables and the desk stands and stuff that would pretty much fit you. And then for a software, I think Reaper can be set up to do multiple inputs. That's a, a DAW and it can be used to record just like Audacity can. But in this case, you don't have to use the voice meter software. So Using the right drivers, the ISO drivers, I think that is the way to go there. If you wanted to do multiple USB microphones, say you had multiple Samsung Q2Us, dynamic microphones or something like that. But I would rather go with a more robust solution with a at least a USB audio interface and a couple of dynamic microphones. But I realized that not a lot of podcasters do that. So that's why we put that episode out 166. So, Jen, are you ready to talk about your 13 years of hobby podcasting? Sure. Okay. With over 700,000 podcasts in the Apple Podcast Directory, it's easy these days to find a podcast. But as Stephen and I have discussed before, it's rare to find a podcast and a podcaster who's been around for 12, 13, 14 years. 
podcasting right now in 2019 is only about 15 years old come September, October. So in just a couple of months, it will be 15 years old. Now, most podcasts, when they first come out, they pod fade within the first year, probably the first month or two, actually. So today, Stephen is out of the studio, and I'm lucky enough to have another long-term hobby podcaster with me, Jen from Anomaly Podcast. We're going to have some fun talking about long-term hobby podcasting. She actually predates me and Steven, so this will be fun. Now, we're going to cover Jen's experiences over the years, her successes, her joys, some experimentation she did with a second podcast on the same RSS feed, what she and her co-host Angela have changed over the years, some particular challenges that she has faced, such as restarting production after a long hiatus, how resilient and realistic expectations have helped guide her podcasting journey while living life and some current production tips and advice. Jen, we've already welcomed you to the podcast. Let's start with how you started podcasting in the first place. Well, it started because I loved podcasts. Um, I listened to some old goodies. I don't know if anyone uh, can remember uh, Kung Fu Action Grip with Mer, Mer Lafferty and Galactic Water Cooler and Cliff Ravenscraft's Lost Podcast and the currently still running Treks in Sci-Fi with Rico Dosti. Um, my best friend and I met at work. I, we both work in a marketing department at a famous Texas water park. And um, I don't work there anymore. But when I first started working there, she caught me reading The Hobbit on my lunch break at work. And I was embarrassed and I tried to hide it. <laughs> and that started kind of a conversation about what it was like being a Gen Xer growing up and hiding your geek. And um, we had a lot of really interesting conversations around that. And we were both, like I said, listening to podcasts and we were like, these are conversations we should be recording. Long story short, I once wrote a, a letter to uh, Rico Dostia from Treks and Sci-Fi. And uh, I was super excited because he read it on the podcast episode. And I remember running out of my office down the hall to Angela. I was like, Angela, Angela, Rico read my podcast letter, you know, my letter to his podcast. <laughs> and he invited us to join his forum. And then we ended up being guests on his uh, podcast. And then one day he was just like, why aren't y'all doing this? You would be awesome. You should have your own show. So, uh, yeah, that's how we started. He actually helped us figure out um, how to record logistically because we do live 30 minutes away from each other and we could record in the same place, but sometimes that's a challenge. So um, he showed us how to use Pamela and record over Skype and all that stuff. So well, that's how we got started. It's very interesting. So my journey into podcasting is very similar to yours because you mentioned the podcast, actually Galactic Water Cooler. I was mm -hmm. listening to that and I was giving feedback and they would read my stuff over there. I forgot how much that felt like you're listening to this podcast and you know, like actually get your words read or you yeah. get voicemail and you hear your own voice. Although degraded because, it, you know, with back then it was really weird how to get. Nobody cared. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So anyway, you heard your voice and everything. And to this day, I will go back into the episode of Galactic Water Cooler, which was my first podcast that I recorded on New Year's Eve of 2010. And I, I will go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that idiot is podcasting because <laughs> you just change so much in skill and everything. Talking about. Um, beginning recording uh, technology, by the way, this was what I first used to record in my studio. It is a Microsoft headset, a live chat headset, right? That looks more advanced than what we used. 
<laughs> well, I have some others too. And I, what they were telling me at the time was that, oh, you, just get one of these. So you separate your audio from your, what you're hearing, the speakers, and then get this as far away from your mouth as possible because the breaths and the plosives and stuff like that. So, uh, it, it was, uh, interesting back then, but, uh, some of the stuff is still around today, but I think what was interesting with both Rico and I think yourself and with Galactic Water Cooler is a lot of the early podcasters actually originated from musicians because they actually had the gear to do this, right? Yeah, my um, it's funny you said that because my best friend, Angela, who's my co-host, her husband was a musician and we weren't we didn't have to go out and buy anything because he had all the the gear. Um, although it wasn't the greatest, it, it was something to get us started. And um, if he didn't have that, I don't I don't know that we would have started. It would have been complicated for us um, at the time because there wasn't a lot online that you could research. There weren't I don't think a lot of podcasts talking about how to podcast. So you just kind of had to wing it. <laughs> okay, so you've recorded your first episode using gear. You've had some help from Rico. Hi, Rico, by the way. And uh, so then what happened? I'm a professional graphic designer, so we had a rock and logo <laughs> and a, a fancy, pretty fancy website. And we just slapped that sucker right up on the homepage and we were like, done. <laughs> but that's not a podcast, is it? You know, it doesn't have an RSS feed if you just... Uh, slap it on your website and call it done. It's, I don't know if that is technically uh, a podcast, but we did share it on the Trex and Sci-Fi forum to get feedback from the people there that we had made friends with. And they gave us a lot of constructive criticism, one of which we decided to ignore, which was you laugh too much. And uh, well, whatever. Okay. Laughter is pretty good. I yeah, guess maybe we're not for you because we laugh quite a bit. I think laughter is good because if I'm listening to a depressing podcast, I might as well just turn it off. Well, Angela's hard to, I mean, it's hard to keep a straight face when Angela is talking. She's the comedy relief on our show. I'm the straight man. She's the funny man. And um, it's hard not to laugh whenever she's doing her thing. Isn't it hard, by the way? I tried to transition from straight man to uh, color, I guess is the correct term in, in radio terms anyway, color commentator on uh, Starling Tribune when that first came out and I didn't work out. I, I, it, I'm sorry. I, I guess I'm just not color. I need to be a straight person. So I tend to surround myself with people that can do comedy a little bit better than me. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's easier to be funny when you're playing the straight man because it's accidental and, and they kind of, you know, the funny person makes you sound funny <laughs> because they just, they make you sharper and quicker and that's, I guess, the beauty of it. Right. So you've asked for feedback on the forum, Trex and Sci-Fi forum, and you've gotten feedback. Uh, you laugh too much, whatever. You took some, you left some on the table, and then you started to actually post your podcast on an actual podcasting forum, right? We submitted to uh, iTunes um, at the time. You could only submit to iTunes that I know of. Um, and uh, we put out sporadic episodes, maybe one every few months. <laughs> and uh, uh, we hosted, self-hosted for a couple of years, which um, was not the best decision for oh, us. Okay. <laughs> we tripled our bandwidth and our, our hosting, uh, hosting company was like, um, yeah, you're out. <laughs> okay. So you went through that whole thing. 
but then you you got it out there and you started getting a little bit more regular and and how how did your podcast evolve over the next few years audio quality was pretty poor for several years although it's funny a lot of people like those episodes because the the of the content rather than <laughs> the quality it's hard for me to listen to them but um angela likes them we evolved our brand we've We've gotten better at and clear about the theme of our show. It's not just about being nerdy and geeky. It's about not being afraid to be yourself and just loving the things you love and not being ashamed of it. I think our our website has gotten better. It needs some updating. Um, The quality is definitely better than it used to be. And we've gotten a lot more comfortable and we know our place when it comes to um, our roles on the show. We definitely put, we're, we're like a more exaggerated version of our real selves on the show. And um, we've we've kind of evolved that way where we feel more comfortable and, and not nervous. And I don't know, things flow a little bit better after a few years of practice. Yeah, they sure do. So that's an important point that we've hit on several times before. Don't try to play a character unless you're doing like comedy or audio drama or something like that. Just be yourself because that is going to be the personality that you're able to get to be able to draw out long term on your show. And then you don't have to remember, oh, what, what is this person going to be like? I played a character on the GuineaGeek.com show once called The Rebel, and I was just in an ordinary, ordinary mood. So I put on sunglasses, a leather jacket, and I was The Rebel for one show. And uh, my co-hosts, Chris and Steven, actually loved that episode, but I have not brought the Rebel back because yet, because the Rebel, it's a certain attitude that the Rebel needs in order for for that to come out. So just, yeah, just be yourself because you're more animated version of yourself, perhaps, just because it's going to be easier for you on the long term, right? Oh, yes, definitely. We, when I say exaggerated versions of ourselves, I mean, uh, because she's the funny man and I'm the straight man, I act offended a lot when she uses curse words <laughs> and things like that, which which I'm not as offended as I sound on the show. Uh, you have to be more energetic, I think, when you're doing a show that's more lighthearted and fun. So we try to like really bring up the energy when we deliver, you know, content on the show. So um, that's what I mean by exaggerated. So it's kind of funny you were talking about straight man, color man. You guys are not men. You're women. Matter of fact, you might you might be the first two women to actually have a podcast, at least that can trace back to hosting your own podcast as a dual hosted podcast since 2007. Yeah, there were a couple of women that were hosting before us, and I, I know that some of them wrote their own code, you know, for their feed and things like that. But I don't think they're still around. And definitely one of the shows that we were watching or listening, we're trying to find somebody out there like us that we could like bond with. (laughs) And that's why we have so many dude podcaster friends, because at the time there just weren't. And um, not a lot of women doing this. And the ones that were, other than Mer Lafferty, who's awesome, um, they seem to be like flirting with their audience and that's not what we wanted to do. We just wanted to be one of them, you know, and make them feel like we were their friends, not someone they should flirt with. I went to Star Wars Celebration Chicago this past year. They did a whole three-day podcaster track. They devoted an entire room for all these podcasters coming in. One afternoon, I literally just sat in the room and I would say about half of the Star Wars podcasters out there, they were actually women, which was great to see. It was more of a representation of the fandoms and of population than anything else. So it's come a long way in the past 12, 13 years. Mm-hmm. 
Definitely. I think it's just more acceptable, I think. Like I said, I'm fr- I'm gener- a Generation Xer, and um, I was like popular through osmosis in high school or my friends were popular and I wasn't, but therefore I was kind of popular. <laughs> and so you didn't like broadcast the fact that you liked Star Trek. And I totally did. I, I was a major geek that hit it. I think it's cooler now to like those things. And it's everywhere. You know, Marvel is now what producing movie after movie every five minutes and everyone's <laughs> going to go see them. And <laughs> And it's not just geeks anymore that that love these things. And I think that's great, personally. Yeah, but everybody's been able to follow the storyline. And it's just unprecedented, I think, in in history. And it's fun to podcast about because I do on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I know you do. You hit upon all of those things on your Anomaly podcast as well. But specifically, you do have a Star Wars podcast, right? And you had an initial foyer into a Star Wars network. The Star Wars podcast came along much later. And I do that show with my friends, Joe and Chris. Joe does the Upper Memory Block podcast, which is a retro gaming show. And he and Chris and I paired up after doing a guest show again on Rico's podcast about uh, Kenobi, which is a book that we all loved. And um, after that, it was so popular, that episode, we decided, you know, let's start our own show where we review Star Wars books that's been going on for like four years, five years now, I think. And we've started like diverging into RPG territory. We started rolling characters a few weeks ago. And we'll, we'll be experimenting with that. But yes, Anomaly was on a Star Wars network for a short time. And we made a lot of really close, good friends there. But we were asked to leave. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, because we were doing too many Star Trek shows and uh, not enough Star Wars shows. And though there was a, there were fans of both Star Wars and Star Trek, of course, it was a Star Wars network. So they wanted podcasts that reflected that more. We were politely kicked off. <laughs> we're friends with them still. Okay. We didn't have hurt feelings about it. Well, now I think the geekdom, I think, would be a little bit more inclusive unless they were tra- trying to do just a singular focus network. All right, so let's get back to hobby podcasting. It's been fun and exciting these past 13 years for you, hasn't it? There's d- definitely been ups and downs, yes. <laughs> okay, so let's go over some of the ups. What What's some ups that you can uh, remember right now? I remember Angela announcing when she was cancer-free on the show, which was a definitely nice. a definite up. Um, she, she got cancer um, maybe an episode. No, I think about a year or two after we started podcasting and, and we didn't talk a lot about it on the show, but I, and I didn't push her to, but I, I thought it might be good to talk a little bit about what she was going uh, through at the time, um, in case there was anyone listening who was going through the same thing. And, um, we talked about Sam and Frodo a lot about how, um, that's that, that they we identified with them, you know, because I, I at least took her to one or two chemo treatments. And she alluded to the fact that she was Frodo going to throw the ring into Mordor, you know, going Same. to get her her cancer treatments. And then whenever, you know, she was uh, cancer free, that was an awesome um, experience as well. And uh, I remember announcing that and we um, became moms, you know, over the course of the years. Um and uh, we announced on the shows uh, when we were expecting. And that's it's like a time capsule. 
when you've been podcasting that long, you can go back and listen to those episodes and, and remember and be transported back to those days. And you can hear the voices of our children as they grow up in the background of our show on occasion. That's definitely something that I look fondly on. Another thing is getting to meet Felicia Day and Patrick Stewart and Craig Parker and William Shatner and Nichelle Nichols and Marina Sirtis. Angela has some hilarious stories about meeting Marina Sirtis and William Shatner was definitely an interesting character. We were dressed up as Starfleet officers from like the 60s at the time and I had a big old beehive haircut. (laughs) And uh, we went to have our picture taken with William Shatner and he was very pleased that we were there. (laughs) And it was was awesome that William Shatner was uh, teasing us and kind of flirting. <laughs> of course, that would be Bill. Of course. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't expect anything less of uh, the chat. <laughs> right. Yeah, I met Bill once and it, it was very brief, but yeah, it was, I just bumped into him in the hall at a, at a con and it, it was it, it was fun. It was a memorable experience because you know I grew up with dad on Saturday night watching Star Trek. Me too. It's interesting you say like time capsules with your kids because Stephen and I both have kids. I've actually had the opportunity to podcast with my son on some. I've actually asked my daughters if they wanted to be part of a podcast and they both politely declined. Steven is at the point where his sons, his older son is just to the point where he could start podcasting with. So they might have a time capsule there and it would be so neat for me to go back and video and audio production when my kids were little, totally different than today. If it was like it is today, I would have loved to have done some shows with them, maybe about their sports teams or something like that, even if it was just for us, just to be able to do that and have that. Because I know in 30 or 40 years when I'm gone, they're going to look back on that sort of stuff and and just love it. So I I can't wait till you guys start doing it as well with uh, with your kids, both you and Angela. Yeah. Aaron's already been on the show. He's my son. Uh, He's currently nine. And when he was about five, four or five, I think he was four, we reviewed How to Train Your Dragon. And that's up on the feed right now. And it's so cute to hear their little voices and how much they've changed. (laughs) Right. So we talked before about the fact that you had a second podcast on your feed, and that was brought about by circumstances you talked about before with Angela. How did that work out for you? Um, It was a lifesaver at the time because at that time, Angela was going through chemo and I was pregnant with my son and we needed help or the show was going to die. So we brought in what we called a, a mini podcast or you know, kind of something we named Anomaly Supplemental because they were supposed to supplement Anomaly, cover things that we were never interested in covering, like Doctor Who. And uh, they were huge fans of those things. And they attracted another uh, audience to the feed that became fans of Anomaly Supplemental. And some of them kind of wandered over to our podcast, Anomaly. It was great. Um, They were both listeners of the show. One of them was a real life friend. The other one we only knew through the show. She wrote in all the time. She she was a real go-getter. She's very organized and energetic about Star Trek and very smart. Both of them were extremely smart. And that was important to us um, when we asked them to do the show. We we wanted to make sure that we could trust them to take over while, while we were having trouble keeping consistent. But eventually, um, I think we we just had like a, 
I don't know, it almost became a, com- a competition or feeling co- competitive. Mm. And I know that that they both were stretching their wings a bit and wanting to go on. And we, with our, you know, definitely gave them our blessing and thanked them profusely for all their help and let them move on. And um, one of them actually hosts um, Women at Warp, mm. which is um, one who's on the official Roddenberry network of podcasts. And that's Sue. She was one of the, the hosts of Anomaly Supplemental with Casey. They all brought us something a little different um, to Anomaly. I remember their last episode and they they just had a party. They were having fun on their last episode. It was a fitting way to say bye to the supplemental. Now, from a production standpoint, though, running a main podcast and then basically an entirely different podcast on the same feed uh, from a statistics standpoint, from a release standpoint, how did that work from the production techie side? Oh, they were completely in charge of doing anomaly supplemental and editing that. Their gear wasn't as professional at the time as ours was, so there's definitely a difference in sound. But we helped kind of, you know, with episode so choices so no one was stepping on each other's feet. Because they're both, or Sue is a huge Star Trek fan, but she was kind enough not to not to do any Star Trek to the Next Generation episodes because that was our territory and we wanted to do those. They did their own show notes and they blogged. They're, they're so great. And they did a good job. Um, I don't want to diminish anything that they did mm-hmm. by saying we were a little competitive with them. But it was like a, a friendly competition. It was just kind of like, dang it, they're getting more downloads. And it's Doctor Who. We should we're try to get into it. But really, you just if you're not into it, you shouldn't be talking about it because nobody wants to hear you try to enjoy something you know? right that's what i was wondering is was there a difference in the downloads between the two and could you see that could you really tell that and uh what problems do you think that had with your feed did you have some subscribers that maybe left because they're like oh i really like this show and then yeah we have this other show that's popping up and vice versa i think so one of the things that that was different about the way they did their show was that they had a heavy emphasis on feminism and social justice as far as that goes. We tend to not do that as much. We, of course, voice our opinions about things, but um, Angela and I are more equity feminists, so we don't have the same approach. And I think that the people that liked their approach to feminism went with them, you know, when they left. And so we have kind of a balance of men and women and just everyone in between listening to us now. But definitely there was a drop, I guess, guess, in uh, listens whenever they went off um, the feed. So definitely noticed that. Okay. So you've been podcasting for 13 years. You've noticed a lot of changes. Stephen and I have talked about changes over the years, but you've been around longer than us. So what are some of the things that you remember doing that just aren't around anymore or some of the things that came up along the way that you're like, oh my gosh, this is life-saving? Well, I think it's a lot easier to educate yourself on how to put out a good show. Definitely how to edit and master and uh, make sure that the audio quality is as good as you can possibly make it. We didn't have the luxury of learning any of those techniques from from anything other than, I think, Murr co-wrote Podcasting for Dummies at one point. Hmm. Um, but that was... a way back in the day. But that was our only education other than having a friend who was a total nerd about technology on, and how to connect your podcast to a feed and all that stuff. That is definitely different. I, I think also what people accept as far as good audio quality is is a lot different than it used to be. We have 
quite a bit of iTunes reviews because of the fact we've been on for so long, not because we're that awesome. <laughs> but I look back and a lot of them will say things like our mixing and mastering and, and audio quality is Ahura worthy and oh, <laughs> things like that. Nice. And um, that's that's a huge compliment, but not necessarily deserved, you know, when that was posted. But I, I, I think back on that time and think, well, I guess for that time, it was pretty great. <laughs> Don't you love in movies and TV shows, whatever, when they get in and they're like doing some mastering of some audio clip, like bringing out some voice of the, of the depth and you're like, whoa, that would not happen that fast. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Another thing that's changed is the ease of creating your own website. Mm. Um, when we first started, it was hand-coded. And now we, we use WordPress and it's so much easier to just, you know, have an rep online representation that looks good and is easy to manage and tie in with plugins to players and all of that stuff. That's definitely a great um, advantage these days versus the way it was back when we started. I got to step in, in here a second and just give my own experience. And I'm limited, right? So I have no expertise here other than I've done two things. And one was the Voices of Defiance website, which I hand rolled with the help of my co-host who had hand rolled his own website. And I basically duplicated the code. And I ran that for a little while. And I could tell like any simple change, like just posting an episode was like a major actual rewrite of the code for the page. And if you wanted like multiple pages for the episodes, you had to hand code that in. So I wanted to move ahead in the world. And I started a new website called Gonna Geek Gear, which doesn't exist anymore. It forwards to our Gonna Geek Gear, yeah, Gonna Geek Gear uh, YouTube channel. But I had a website that had articles on it and stuff. And that was WordPress based and I got the difference between the two. It's still more pain that I really want to go through as a hobby podcaster. But if I was doing a business, I would totally get my own website and do it that way because controlling your own brand is the big thing there. Definitely. Yeah. And SEO too. We, um, we find that some of our oldest episodes are still getting listened to because people are finding them through Google. And because we've been online for so long, our, our domain name, has a lot of, of history. And so we're dominating, <laughs> even though there are other podcasts now named Anomaly, which is annoying, but we're popping up first in Google when people search for Anomaly podcast now. So I'm waiting for the next better podcasting to come up, like more better podcasting or something like that. But Anomaly, I could definitely see that. And if there's, oh man, did you explore like the trademark and the registered intellectual property legal side or did you just let it go? Back in the day, because we're hobby podcasters, we didn't even think about doing that. Uh, in fact, we had a, uh, a friend at work in marketing who said, hey, if you mail your logo to yourself through the U.S. Postal Service and you keep it in, a in an envelope, that is now trademarked and anybody who uses it is in violation. And I'm like, I don't know if that's true or not. But yeah. also, it's kind of hard to trademark anomaly because it's a term. I don't know, you know, if you can use it as a name in trademark it, but it's definitely been something that has annoyed me to no end because 
we were the first anomaly podcast and um it kind of defeats the purpose of having that name when there are a lot of other people naming themselves almost the same exact thing and i know they had to have done a search to see if they could get that domain name and see that we had it and they're like oh yeah well we will be v <laughs> or whatever and um so it's just like, gosh, do some research. <laughs> Don't knock the D because I have to use that on my email. It's the Stargate Pioneer because somebody took Stargate Pioneer on my email service that I use. I'm like, oh, yeah. well, I'll just use it. It's not being pretentious. It's just like I had to use something and that's what it was. Yeah, we're actually thinking of starting to use the original Anomaly podcast mm. with the emphasis on Anomaly more um, than anything else. But um, how do you trump the original Anomaly podcast. You'd have to do the first original Anomaly podcast or something I'm like sure somebody that. will eventually do it. Yeah, they'll try. Oh, okay, so you're Anomalies and you started out the show when you read the intro. You said you were an Anomaly. That's how you start your show, you and Angela. Let's talk a little bit about that. You are Anomalies back then, what that meant and what that means today. When we named our podcast, it was to kind of show the way we were in real life. I think I've said before on the show, if you've listened, you probably heard me say it, that we used to fly low under the geek radar and nobody knew that we were geeks until we opened our mouths and then they kind of were like, okay, <laughs> that's a lot more information than I wanted to know about Star Trek. <laughs> but um, it's it, it, it defined us as women who who liked uh nerdy things and you know what we call muggle things which is non-nerdy subjects and it like i said it was for women starting out because we wanted to encourage them to just embrace being themselves and and liking the things they like even if they're geeky and not being afraid to admit that but as we continue doing the show everybody identified with calling themselves anomalies. They would write in and say how they were anomalies. Men, women, everyone would. It just became clear to us that it was a term that resonated with people. They they wanted to differentiate themselves. People like to think of themselves as special or rare. And we just decided the show was for everyone and everyone was included. And especially these days, because there's so much divisiveness um, just in society and it's leaking into our geekdom. I mean, everyone's always had very strong opinions about their genres, but it seems like these days it's becoming more and more and more negative. We wanted to use Anomaly now as a theme to separate ourselves from those types of nerds, you know, the ones who were angry about everything and uh, judgmental and gatekeepers of geekdom. You know, we, we want people who are new nerds, you know, or not nerds or any, at all, maybe just just discovered the superhero movies, you know, Marvel superhero movies, and they're excited about it. And maybe they wanted to listen to a podcast, but they don't know everything about it. We tell them it's okay not to know all the things, you know, um, you can just love the things you love and geek out about it. And you're welcome here too. So that's really what the show has now evolved into. That's cool. I've evolved Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. over the time, too, but not as dramatic. And it's great to see the evolution over time. Yours, the change is is more along a certain path. Ours was like from one extreme to the other. And it, it was interesting as it went. Yeah. Well, you had asked one more thing. Um, you had asked about our intros, which um, is kind of different. One of the podcasts I loved back in the day was Geeks On. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, they yeah. would always introduce the, themselves as I'm so-and-so and I am a geek. And we thought, well, what if we 
came up with a different way that we're anomalies every time we began our show. And that would be, you know, the beginning of our show. So, for instance, one time, like, because I was, I'm a Texas girl. We both are. We were raised on farms. We can shoot. <laughs> we can hunt. We can do all those things. And I, I said um, a long time ago, one of my intros was, I'm Jen. I once wore my Hanshot first shirt to a gun show and I am an anomaly. So those are the examples of how we use the intro just every time to keep it fresh, keep it different and help people understand that we're not your typical nerds. <laughs> okay. Nice to know. Well, this fall when we're trying to, uh, you know, reduce the live uh, stock around the uh, lake home, maybe I'll have to and invite you up to do some hunting in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Okay. So you have this platform, uh, mm -hmm. Better Podcasting. You've been a hobby podcaster for 13 years. What are some tips and tricks and advice that you would give hobby podcasters today? If you have a co-host, make sure that that co-host is someone that you love more than your podcast, because there are going to be times when the two of you don't see eye to eye and you're both going to annoy each other and step on each other's toes. Angela and I are like sisters and sisters bicker, <laughs> but they also love each other. And we always come back to, okay, if we quit the show tomorrow, we're still going to be best friends. And so I think that's very important because there's a lot of give and take on the show as far as, okay, I can't record today because I have a migraine. Well, you can be annoyed by that, or you can say, you know what, you take your time and feeling better and we'll come back to the recording when you're feeling great and more energetic and you move on, you don't get your undies in a knot over <laughs> the fact that your, your co-host can't record when you wanted them to. And maybe you pushed it back one too many times. What's important is that your friends and the show comes second. So that's something that I would definitely stress to people who have co-hosts. Okay. You've dealt with hiatuses before. Yeah. How would you deal with the, and you just mentioned like uh, my co-host can't record because of migraine or kids schedule, kids sick, whatever. I, I've been through it as mm -hmm. before as well. My family has been very accommodating over the past five, six, seven years. But what would you say to somebody about the consistency issue? Quality trumps consistency in my opinion um you don't want to put out a crap episode just because you have to meet your schedule if it if it doesn't resonate with people if it's not energetic if it's not fun if if you're not on that day um don't put it out it's okay if you miss a day and if your audience likes you they'll understand and they'll be there when you come back our audience is not Django. <laughs> it's just a very niche, loyal band of people who just, I think, appreciate our personalities. They, they have often said that they feel like we're their friends and they're sitting in the room with us, talking with us. So I think that when it comes to being consistent, definitely we want to try to be more consistent. I think that's good for the show. But um, I think that quality definitely trumps that. So if, if you have a standard of editing that's important to you, don't put out something quick that you haven't edited all the way through just because you're trying to meet a schedule. You know, it's, it's not that important. Okay. Now getting away from the geek shows for a bit, let's talk a bit about like family life and, and when it's okay to walk away. Was there ever a time where you're like, I shouldn't have done that? Yes. I one time I, I edited a show on vacation 
in a car on on the way down to the Texas Gulf Coast. And if that doesn't sound like a big deal, like I'm sure lots of people edit on vacation, but I remember being annoyed that we were going on vacation because I had a show to put out. Looking back, that was not, it wasn't as important, you know, in the grand scheme of things as my time with my family was. And that's when you have to do a, a gut check and decide, like, how important is this really? I mean, it's a hobby show. Nobody's paying me big bucks to do this. <laughs> it's just my own goals that I have that are, that are insisting that I put this out on time. And uh, it was a lot of stress. And um, I would never do that again. That's, that's for sure. I hear you. In this very room that I'm sitting in right now, one holiday season, my entire family, my, they came to my house and they were out here for a couple of days, stayed at my house. And I had an episode, I think it was either episode 53 or 56 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I sat in this room as much as I could, like 20 minutes at a time or so. And I edited and in retrospect, I'm like, dude, just shut the door, turn off the computer, spend time with your family. You're never going to get that time back. You can always edit later. Don't worry. Nobody's going to uh, quit your show. I mean, they can if they want to, but nobody's going to quit your show because you had to take a week or two off because you had family obligations. So I completely heart you there. I couldn't imagine, by the way, editing for four hours in a car. I would get so car sick. You must have a iron stomach or iron ear or something. No, I was just on a mission. I see. I hyper focus. And so I didn't even notice the movement of the car. <laughs> so you and Angela have both done something that Stephen and I will never do. And that is podcast while pregnant. So what yeah. are some of the challenges with that? You would not believe it, but having a conversation while in your last trimester is quite a challenge because it's hard to breathe. <laughs> and both of us were often out of breath, just, you know, saying a few sentences and editing that can be a nightmare, you know, just getting rid of the <sighs> sound when you're breathing. But we were still ourselves and, and doing our thing and nobody seemed to matter, you know, mind that, that we were going through that. Um, but that was definitely a challenge. We talked a little bit about kids before and, and how that they can be a detriment to the podcast, but they can also be a benefit to the podcast. So for those hobby podcasters out there with small kids, what kind of advice would you give? Um, do everything you can to make sure you're recording when they're asleep or when they're at their grandma's house or whatever. But if you can't do that, if, if your spouse can't watch them or your partner can't watch them, um, and you can't podcast on any other day, just go for it, you know, it, especially uh, with a show like ours. Um, it's more laid back. It's conversational. It's kind of like a fishbowl kind of show where you're you feel like I said, our listeners feel like they're in the room with us. Um, so sometimes Angela's little girl will come into the room. She's four and she'll be showing off her her latest Wonder Woman costume. And Angela has to say, um, excuse me, hold on one minute. Oh, wow, that looks great. Gamma Quadrant Golf Clap. That's what we do right yeah, there. Right. And um, so it, you either cut that out, which we have done. I have been doing that because I there's a lot of instances where they interrupt. I cut them out and I put them at the end of the show as like a reward for those people who listen to all the credits and make it to the end and they like that kind of stuff. That's like a, an Easter egg for them. 
But if it adds to the comedy of the show, I leave it in. And um, I only leave it in when it's humorous and when it kind of illustrates our lives as geek moms, which is just us. It's We are the show, so the show has to reflect us and, and they're part of our life. So sometimes they're in there and that's okay. Um, uh, if if someone has a problem with that, they're going to move on, and that's okay. That's not the, that's not our target audience. A lot of our listeners are parents, so they get it. I definitely would as a parent. I remember we came up a rule with a rule when I started podcasting, which has worked mainly because the kids are older. But when the door is closed, do not come in here. That is my I'm recording signal to the entire family. That and my deal with the rest of the family. If I'm not recording, the door is open. So that they have immediate accessibility to me. So that's how we've dealt with it here in the house. But that's with older kids. I kind of understand that if I had a younger kid who was screaming and uh, mad at their sibling, I could see them coming right through that door when I was recording. So it just happens and you just have to deal with it. Yeah, it's easier for me to block that out because I have a sound booth. Angela's uh, recording environment is more open, um, so it's harder for her to to block, you know, run defense <laughs> whenever uh, Lorelai comes up the stairs to show off her, her latest costume or something. But yeah. Okay, so you've been podcasting for 13 years. Just a couple of minutes left on this. If there's any last thing that you would talk about to another hobby podcaster, what would you leave them with? I would just say, have fun. You know, if it's not coming through in your voice, if the smile on your face doesn't come through in your voice, um, people hear that. And I would just say, if you're going to podcast about something, make sure that it's something that you love because um, you can't do this thing for as long as we have and make it about something that you're not that interested in. (laughs) You know, we've often talked about that as the number one thing that we would concern ourselves on better podcasting is make sure you're having fun. So if somebody is listening to you on Better Podcasting and they're interested in this great long podcast that you've got going on, where would they go to find it? Anomalypodcast.com. And one thing about our show is that you're going to learn how to spell anomaly because I always say it. A-N-O-M-A-L-Y podcast.com. That's good because I had trouble spelling it in the show notes. (laughs) So with that, we're going to move into a quick download segment. Welcome to this week's Better Podcasting Download. There's an article that popped up on Medium from Matty Stott, who was formerly from iHeartRadio, and now he is a podcast consultant. So I'm guessing the reason that Matty put this out was because, well, he's trying to gen up business, but it's interesting stuff, so we're going to talk about it. He basically put the article out and said, the three E's of podcasting, empathy, education, and entertainment. These are the facets that make a great podcast. I will argue that it is a little bit more complex than that. But if you want to boil it down to three things, it's not a bad place to start. So we'll start with empathy here. And it was great podcasts evoke empathy more than any other medium. Podcasts generate shared experiences and emotion. And also there was the quote there that a recent study found that 90%, I think it was 92% of all podcaster listeners are alone when they listen to a podcast. So you're building that relationship with your listener. You've done that over the 13 years of Anomaly. Would you agree with empathy as a 3E of podcasting? Absolutely. It's all about the experience. And if that emotion doesn't come through on the other end, it's hard for people to connect. And 
they they often feel like they know you <laughs> if you if you can connect that way. The other thing I think is very true of this podcast is education. Podcasts are great teachers. When a person gets done listening to an amazing podcast, they leave a little more informed. And you, you do that through your analysis. Uh, we do it here on Better Podcasting with how-to podcasts. I think that is one of the keys. There are a lot of great how-to podcasts out there, and I think that's one of the aspects that makes a great podcast. Definitely. And the last one is entertainment. At the end of the day, podcasts have to entertain listeners, and I think you have to have something that draws you there. You know, your relationship with your audience, they just want to know how you're doing. Stephen and I give a little jokes back and forth, and, and that's how we entertain here on Better Podcasting. So whatever your shtick is on your show, I think you need to... Uh, you need to go with it. And I don't want to minimize Angela's jokes because, well, she's the funny one. She is. <laughs> and P I think she's everyone's favorite, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's always that way. I always think Steven's the favorite. He always thinks I'm the favorite. So it's, it's a sibling. <laughs> you were saying like sisters. Steven and I, I guess, are like brothers. And even though yeah. I know I don't have a brother, by the way, Steven does have a brother. I met Steven's brother before I met Steven. And I have never actually met Steven in person, but I've met his brother in person. So that's how that goes. And in the end of the day, his brother is probably the most entertaining out of the three of us. <laughs> and he's not on our podcast. We need to get to him on the podcast. David, if you're listening, we need you on the podcast. All right. That is the three E's of podcasting by Maddie Stott. In Discord, there was a couple of things that I just want to hit quick on before we leave for the show for the week. Mark D put a post out on Sunday on our Discord server, said, just came across chapters in a podcast for the first time. Apparently, there are a few Mac applications, Forefront being a free one, that will make it easy to add the chapter markers into your metadata, and Alphonic seems to support this feature. So that's cool. I have to ask, you've been around for 13 years. I remember chapters in a podcast being a big deal about 10 years ago, and then they kind of went away because it was too much work. Nobody used them. Now they're back again. What is your thoughts on chapters in a podcast? Uh, I never used them um, back in the day, and I don't think I'll be using them now, but I, I'm sure there's somebody out there who would find them uh, useful, but it just complicates it for me to have to go in there and put chapter markers in an episode um, when I'm just trying to get a show out. So I probably will not be making use of this. My thoughts are similar. It's a lot of work for me to go into it. Now, if I was doing something like an audio drama, it'd be a little bit different because I would be spending 100 or 200 hours on one episode anyway. But I don't think I'll be using them. Time codes are about the same to me as chapters, and they're a lot easier. You just throw the times in your show notes and then people can click on it in mm -hmm. certain apps and, and move forward on that. But that's just me sitting from the cheap seats on both consuming and making podcasts. I'm sure the public will speak on whether they really want them or not in the future. There was another Discord post that was made between last show and this show, and it was from Damien from Aurelia Pod. And he said, now I'm going to feel left out if I'm not mentioned. Now, both Stephen and I piped in with the truth. This is the gosh, honest truth. We had a feedback piece in the last episode by Damien. It was cut for time. And because of that, I am going to keep that feedback for next episode and make Stephen read it. I think that is the appropriate thing to do with a co-host that has aired. What do you think, Jen? 
Makes sense to me. And then lastly, Josh Liston, who is our Australian friend, he does the On the Bubble podcast on the guineageek.com network. He also has a couple of other shows that he's doing. And he was asking on the Discord server all about if it's worth creating audiograms. And he was giving the experience that a couple of people that he knows told him that they listened to his shows because of the audiograms that he was posting on Instagram and Facebook. Now, I have produced audiograms before, but I question whether they're relevant or not. And I'm thinking, and Jen, I'm interested in your thoughts on this in a second, but I'm thinking that if they're already in your circles and you post something that's interested to them and if they're friends with you, they would be interested in some of the things that you are also interested in, that, yeah, they're going to listen to an episode or two along the way if they're interested in that. But I'm wondering about the discoverability, and I don't think it's there because I don't think people are sharing it with their friends. But Jen. What do you think about using audiograms to promote your podcast? I think it sounds great. Um, I listen to the She podcast podcast also. And uh, Elsie Escobar does say that if you're going to make these, that you should have um, your listeners do it for you because it it's just more genuine coming from them. It's more likely that they will share it. But it's interesting what he's saying that his own Facebook followers are listening and discovering his show that way when he shares that. Um, I don't know if that would work for me because most of my Facebook friends are not geeks. Um, I, I usually just socialize with, with our, my listeners on a group and um, they're already listening to my show. So I'm not sure that it would help me at all, but um, I'm sure there are others out there that would find this useful. And I haven't explored LinkedIn either. And I'm wondering if you're doing an educational or a how-to podcast, if that would work on LinkedIn. And obviously, Stargate Pioneer is not on LinkedIn. Stargate Pioneer, by the way, was, if you don't know, Jen, was actually kicked off of Facebook. So I'm no longer on the Facebook island. Oh, no. (laughs) Apparently, you have to have a real name so that they can attribute it to it. And I think it's because they they want to make money off of you. Yeah, probably. (laughs) They say it's for... Uh, safety issues so that people don't uh, flame or troll or something like that. And they can attribute it to a real person. Anyway, thank you very much, everybody, for giving your feedback to Better Podcasting. If you want to get your feedback into us, you can go to our Discord server. That's betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. You can catch us on Twitter at BetterPod or email us podcast at betterpodcasting.com. So, Jen... Now that we're at the end, was it worth it coming on Better Podcasting episode 192? Absolutely. I had fun. Great. So maybe we'll see you back in the new year. I'd love to. Okay. We'll work on that. We actually have a idea on a subject already. So we'll keep that under our hats until it actually happens because you never give away something that is about to happen because then it'll never happen and your audience will get mad at you. That makes sense. So for for that, that is the end of episode 192. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Stephen will be back next week, and we will see you then. So thank you very much. Hi, thank you for having me on. You bet. Thanks for checking out another episode of Better Podcasting. You can find the full back catalog of Better Podcasting at betterpodcasting.com. If you're into geeky podcasts, please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. 
This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew of Gunna Geek Productions. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.